On today's episode, we discuss Apple Music, Beats One, Zane Lowe, and the new Apple. It's episode number nine of Magnificent. I'm Ian Fuchs, and as usual, I'm joined by MacTress.com senior editor Chris Hout and MacTress infamous emeritus editor, sort of, Mr. J. Glenn Kunzler. Hey guys, happy July, and Glenn, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for making us part of your sudden decision, Glenn. Hey, I do what I can. <laughs> I started talking and the words changed and all of a sudden it wasn't what I had written before. Now you have I, uh, I bend reality. It's one of my things. I think you actually have to have a firm grip on reality before you can bend it. Oh, quite the opposite, Chris, uh, I assure you. Quite the opposite. So how was everyone's fourth? Still got all my fingers. Still got all your fingers. That's good. I watched some shit get blown up. That's a pretty uh, pretty standard part, I think. Yeah. I went on a boat, which is always exciting. I went to Minnesota. Uh, had an epic drive back, which I was telling Chris about the other day. <laughs> and that was great. I had all, all sorts of issues. My wiper blade like flipped off the edge of the car, mm. and on the driver's side. So all of a sudden, like the driver's side was just pelting or getting pelted with rain. So I was leaning over the passenger side trying to look out the window and then I got it fixed and then it got stuck behind the other wiper blade and it was it was a fiasco. And I ended up stopping at a Walmart, buying a wrench and fixing it. Uh, but for like half the drive, it was terrifying. <laughs> so that was... What's life without a little adventure? Right. It's one of those like, hey, I'm going to go on a seven hour car ride now. Hopefully nothing goes wrong. And then that was the trip where it was like, well... It's about time. Law of averages caught up with you. Yeah. So, aside from that, um, I had a really good weekend. Yeah, other than that, Mrs. And Kennedy, how was the trip to Dallas? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, good weekend. And last week was also a good week. Uh, and a big week uh, in the world of Apple with the launch of Apple Music. Uh, which came out last Tuesday. Uh, what are you guys' first impressions, second impressions, third or fourth, <laughs> however many impressions you have now? Uh, I, I'm very impressed with, um, in particular, Beats 1. Um, I'm liking it a lot more than I thought I would. The uh, the curation is exceptional. Um, there's there's always something interesting to listen to. Um, it's I, I'm finding myself listening to it for you know, four to five hours out of the day, which is, uh, you know, more than I've really ever listened to any music in the past. So that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm not a huge music, uh, listener myself, but I've been listening over the past week here and there. And I do like beats one. I think it's pretty cool. Um, and I, and I like the, what is it? The for you part where you choose the kind of music you like. The, and then the, the recommended artist, playlist yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's actually pretty good. It did, did some really good recommendations right off the bat. So I sat and listened for a couple hours just playing with that. I've noticed as I listen to more and more things, and as I listen to different playlists, that it's the the playlists that it's recommending for me are evolving and changing. Yeah. So like, there's there's some artists that it's like, oh well, you've you've listened to three playlists that all have the same artist, so it just keeps putting. Uh, Royal Blood is the artist that I keep getting and it keeps putting Royal Blood in every playlist and it's like oh well this song from this album fits and it's like well that's good I have their album 
I know it fits. I know what they are. <laughs> but but then there's all these other songs on there that I'll have never heard of or I haven't heard of and heard in a long time. So it's been really good. And I agree. Ooh. Beats one has been fantastic. I've I've jumped on to Beats One pretty much any time I want to just listen to music and I don't want to think about what to pick. Yeah. Instead of picking well, that's, uh, Yeah, that's the really nice thing about it. It's um it's very, very good background for, for whatever you might be doing. Yeah, and I I also really like the. Uh, I think it was on day one, uh, Dream Zane, Zane Lowe's first set, uh, who was there. I guess he, I I would consider him kind of their primary DJ. Yeah. I don't I don't know if he really is or not, but he's the one that they're really touting kind of as the the top spot DJ, and he's 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 a very good DJ. Um, but in his set, he said something to the effect of, uh, "Our genre is great." And so it was like, we don't play rock music, we don't play rap music, we don't play pop music, we play great music. And some of that stuff will fall into it, but we're not going to exclusively play a specific style of music. Yeah. And while I don't consider myself a big fan of rap music or hip-hop or pop music particularly, I can't say that I've been listening and thought, wow, I'm really bored with this. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, they do a great job. So, uh, do you guys think it'll expand beyond Beats 1? Will we get a Beats 2, a Beats 3, uh, however many other stations? Or are they going to stick with just the one station and kind of grow from there? I mean, are, are you, are you thinking like new say. genre or different genres or, you know, like a country beats, uh, soul beats? Maybe. I mean, I could see that. Or, or Beats 1 is kind of your overall hit station. Even though it's not a hit station, it, it's more or less a hit station. Yeah. Or it's a little bit of everything. Then they have specifically targeted ones. Because as I thought about it, we have satellite radio in both of our cars, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I. And for our drive up to Minnesota, we listened to satellite radio for about half the drive. And then Beats 1 for the other half of the drive. And I started thinking about it when we were listening to the satellite radio that they have some of these kind of catch-all stations but they also have all these other stations and could apple be taking a shot not only at the terrestrial radio station you know am fm stuff Mm -hmm. but they could really be taking a shot at satellite radio with yeah beat Um, stuff i'm actually really glad you said that because incidentally since beats music has come out or apple music has come out um I have actually canceled my Sirius XM subscription um, because I, I actually like the mix of things. I end up getting on Beats 1 better than most of the stations I would have ended up listening to on uh, on XM. Sure. Well, and the and the, uh, the other play, the, the like iTunes Radio-esque playlists that fall Ooh. under that same category. Uh, I had, I, and I think I talked about this in one of our earlier episodes that I did not care for iTunes radio at all when it came out initially. I didn't like 90% of what it was feeding me and they've really done a good job of kind of changing that, doing a little bit better job of curating those playlists and, and fixing some of the things about iTunes radio that I didn't like with this Apple music launch. And I don't know if it's, because of that if it's because they have curators now if it's i don't know what the actual reasoning behind it is that it's gotten better but it did it definitely seemed better in the stuff i listened to that way too 
I see this as only the beginning. It, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if this eventually evolved into a media platform. Um, I, I would love, for instance, to see Apple do something with the news on Apple Music. I think they could do a phenomenal job curating news stories. I mean, doing and actual totally... newscasts? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've already got their news service, which I might add is also very, very well edited and very well curated. It, it wouldn't take much for them to extend that into an audio-based offering. Hire a couple of really good voice people. I heard uh, yeah. Brian Williams is looking for possibly a different job. Yeah, and if, and if there's nothing happening, he can just make shit up. <laughs> he's willing to do that. He's proven that. So. Uh, poor Brian Williams. I, I actually really enjoy Brian Williams uh, as far as... Yeah, he's just, a great storyteller. As... as <laughs> <laughs> well, Literally look, he's certainly not the first newscaster to just start making shit up, right? It's to me, it's not even that. It's he just has that that voice that, no matter what he's saying, he can seem so truthful, convincing, and truthful. Yeah, yeah. yeah so think of think of that. If I you was a, fighting Batman the other day, and then Superman started giving me some crap, and I said, "Well, yeah, he's yeah. he's." Uh, Get some side. Yeah, I'd be, be fun to drink with and listen to stories. I'll give him that. But yeah, I, I I agree. I could definitely see uh, a news channel of some sort. the The question is, how long? I mean, there's only so much you can do, and so much time you can fill with news if you don't localize it. Yeah, or if you don't include. You know, talk and you know, talk shows and things like that. Right. Like you'd have to have some. Like, yeah, you. I suppose if they did, you know, an hour talk show that's about tech and an hour sports show and an hour news program and a business Whoa, program. Yeah, it could end up something like uh, NPR is at, at the moment. I mean, NPR's got a very diverse set of offerings that are each each time spaced and each handled by an independent expert. Right. Well, there would be a great pool of people for Apple to hire from, too. That's true. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, or they could that. acquire NPR. That would be interesting. At the Apple News Network. <laughs> and? <laughs> A-N-N. And? And? A-N-N. And. There you go. Yeah. You're listening to Anne. The Apple News Network. Only they're going to have Siri narrate the whole thing. (laughs) I could actually see a bumper. I'm surprised there isn't a bumper already, you know, that pops up between songs on Beats 1 that's narrated by Siri. Yeah. Um, But regardless, um, we we are are all kind of in agreement. There could be other live stations to come. Yeah, there's definitely possibilities there. Absolutely. This is, awesome. I, I, I view this as kind of their testing ground. I mean, Apple's infamous for, for doing this, um, rolling out an idea on a very, very limited scale, seeing if it takes off, and if it does, hitting it with everything they've got. Yeah. So just with, with Beats 1 already, I've, I've noticed that it's, I guess I would consider it kind of a big hit. Oh, yeah, um, yeah definitely. It seems like not just the tech industry is very much into it that people updated their phones 
they saw it that was on there they clicked on it because they wanted to see what it was about and they've done a very good job with kind of promoting it and um they, starting some... at the uh, starting at the all too welcome price of free has exactly. certainly helped that. Um, what do you think it is that's really bringing this success to Beats One? I mean, is it the variety of music? Is it the fact that they have Zane Lowe, who's, I guess, I would, from what I understand, a world renowned DJ, um, and they have Juliet Anuga, who's fantastic and hilarious. Um, and they have Ebro from New York kind of doing these weird hip hop underground rap type things. Um, is it the fact that they have these celebrity musicians curating shows? What, what is it that you think is really bringing in the crowd? Well, the celebrities uh, definitely keeping the crowd. I think it's the cumulative effect of all of those things. I mean, you end up with a, a big picture of, something that's both unique and novel and interesting and introduces you to new material, while at the same time sticking to enough familiar territory that most everybody's going to find something they like and, and hopefully something new that they didn't know they liked. Right. So what makes this different than regular radio? Why The curation. But, I think. But regular radio stations, in theory, have a programming director who does that job. Especially good stations. I mean, they, yeah. they have somebody whose job is to go through and say, these are the songs we're playing. These are the songs that are going to get played a lot. These are your fun throwback songs that get thrown in. I mean, that's... Like, there's somebody who makes, at a, at a good station, probably $100,000 a year, just picking what you're going to hear. Right. What, what makes Beats 1... like? I understand like the whole worldwide thing obviously gives it more of a range to be successful because it, you have people in every state and every town and every country that are listening to or potentially listening to it. Why, why is it different? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Hmm. I mean, what, what's, what's drawn you in Glenn? It's just so available. I mean, it's, it's right there on my phone. I can get to it. In an instant, um, it, it's actually faster for me to just fire up Apple Music than it is to dig through my playlists and find a song I might like to listen to. So it's it's the a- ease of access for me that's sure. um, yeah definitely that really makes it so appealing. Two taps and you're listening to something. Yeah, right. and I, I know I know for you, Chris, you you tuned in and basically the first song you got on Beats One was ACDC. Right. Is that right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I saw you tweeted that you're like I clicked into it and it was ACDC. I was like, okay, yeah, this, this could work. Right. This could work. Yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> they're they're you know they got a few things for the old guys. That's good. Yeah, and I so to me I saw things like that and I was like that really that really speaks to how big of a demographic they're trying to target with this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, have you guys listened to any of the? I guess I'll consider them the evening shows. Um, although depends on where in the world you are but it's the uh 8 p.m central show roughly that comes on and it's it's the one where they usually have um uh, a guest musician or something come in and do a show they had uh pharrell williams did one although i think his was actually in a, on a morning a saturday morning um 
uh, Josh Homie from Queens of the Stone Age did a show. St. Vincent did a show. Ellie Golding has a show coming up. I mean, you have these names in music doing these evening shows. Have you guys caught any of those? I have not. Usually evenings I'm doing something else. So I They're, do most of my listening in the morning and the afternoon. You can so based on that, if the the way beats it works from my understanding is it's a twelve hour rotation. For twelve hours you get original content. For the next twelve hours you get a replay of that previous twelve. Yeah, that's what I understand. So it's like um nine AM or ten AM central time for me. Um, through that same time at night, and then they cycle it back over. So at like 8 a.m., you can catch the evening show. Oh, I didn't think about that. Um, but I, I, I happen to catch St. Vincent. Uh, she does St. Vincent delivery, or mixtape delivery service. And the idea is that she takes a caller and basically makes them a mixtape of songs. Now I've heard about this. Based on what they, what interests them, the type of music they listen to. It was the most adorable show <laughs> I've ever listened to. It was this little girl who I think she was like 11 or 12. And the whole show was like, Oh, I like to dance. And she's like, well, I have a song for you that you might not have heard of, but it's a good dancing song. And then she plays her song and she's like, Oh, well I really like this type of music and I like this band. And then she played those songs. So it was, it's this whole like almost interactive feeling experience at the same time. Hmm. So I definitely think that's a, a win in Beats Music's corner. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. That sounds fun. So, uh, I, I gotta say that's uh, that's the first time the word adorable has been used on Magnificent. So congratulations I, for that. I'm Ian. pretty sure it, it won't be the last though. It's uh, <laughs> actually, for what it's worth, I believe the uh, while we're recording this, the Saint Vincent show is on again, which means it'll re air tomorrow morning. So for both of you guys, nice. 8 a.m., well, 8 a.m. Central, um, it's an hour-long deal, and it's good. It's worth listening to. I'll have to set a reminder. Um, I wish that kind of stuff was available on demand. I, that would be a good layer for them to add. I agree. And one thing I did find, the uh, pretty much all of the, the main DJs, so Zane Lowe, Julia Danuga, and Ebro all do a playlist of their set that they share on their connect page. So you can go out and you can add that playlist to your library or you can listen to that playlist oh, each sweet, day. Sweet. It's missing their talk sets. But if you just want to hear the music they're offering, cool. it's there. And I think the um like the musician curated ones are also out there. I haven't looked nearly as hard for those. Um but I would assume like St. Vincent's mixtape delivery service, you'd think that her mixtape that she made would be available for everyone to listen to. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised there isn't a way, or that they haven't come up with a way where it's like, here's the old shows on demand type yeah. thing. And that may be something that's coming down the road. So on that topic, um, what do you guys think of Connect? That's that's kind of a different kind of idea from Apple. That's uh, not something you see every day from them. Um, the last time we saw something like that was, um, and I almost hate to say You're it, but say uh, it, ping, uh, ping. You know, cat catastrophic failure, right? Um, but Connect seems very, uh, at, at the same time, I can see similarities to, to what ping was, but also 
something that ends up being very, very different when you're looking at it and when you're experiencing it. What do you think the idea is behind Connect and how it's different from Apple's previous efforts to make music a more social type of experience? I think the idea is to constantly create a discussion about what's what's available in iTunes and what's available for people to listen to mm-hmm. and yeah. to keep new things in front of them because they're going to continue to use the service if there's always new things there. Right. Bring them back. Bring them um, back and, and keep them interested. I also think if, and I know you guys aren't big Spotify users, but on Spotify, if you followed an artist, they could create a playlist and they could share it with everyone that follows them. So it could be a playlist of their music. I know a band, um, four years strong that I follow on Spotify made a summer road trip or summer tour road trip playlist or something like that. And it was all the songs that they had either listened to that they loved on their, their tour or come across on their tour or that somebody had played for them on their tour or whatever it was. So it was this growing playlist of stuff and the idea that you were now listening to the same things that the band you like is listening to. So that kind of social aspect. I still think that the piece that connect is missing is the peer to peer portion of it. Because while yes, I don't have a problem with my wife sending me a playlist by text message that I can open and have it load in Apple music and show me the playlist. It would be much more convenient if I didn't have to have someone's phone number to share a playlist or song with them. If I could just share it with them. You see coming down the line. Uh, perhaps they could make it um, in a similar way as to Game Center, where you can simply send a request or, or send an invite, and mm-hmm. uh, that person gets a notification, and they can go right into it or something. Yeah, then everything else comes from his hand. This is version one, so yeah, lots of they're going to they're going to look at how people want to use it, and they're they're going to make changes. I I know that I've seen a lot of people sharing playlists on Twitter already, mm-hmm. where they're like, "Hey, I made this playlist of." such and such or this is my road trip playlist or here's the soundtrack from whatever video game or you know here's a playlist of sounds of thunder and lightning and rain for you to listen to when you go to sleep or whatever it is not that there's not an app for that but I listen to Jeff Bridges it puts me right to sleep <laughs> haven't you heard that the Jeff Bridges no. uh, thing he did for charity, you can you can listen to it on online. It's just him just talking talks. about stuff. Put you right to sleep. It's great. Is it called Jeff Bridges talks about stuff? No, it's like sleep with Jeff Bridges or something. <laughs> I want to say I sleep with Jeff Bridges, which if if I could if I could attract a man like that, I'd be more than willing to publicize that fact. But uh, oh, I wish I could think of what it's called. I'll look it up. I, I, I got to stop bringing stuff out off a of script here, but uh, <laughs> it just reminded me of, of of that. Carry on. That's funny. Um, but yeah, things like that that you could. Like, so if you find it and it's on Apple Music, you could totally send it to us through a social service. But right now, that social service does not exist. But I feel like it has to be coming because I don't know if either of you guys have noticed, but if you log in at least on 
the web or on iTunes to Apple Music, you can click on your name and you can actually choose your like username just like a Twitter handle. And um so there has to be some point where they're going to say, "Okay, now you can socially connect with other people based on this username you've chosen." Cool. It almost seems like that has to be coming. So like for me, I tried to choose at Ian and it didn't work. So I went with the standby at Ian Fuchs. Um, but I, I also did consider making myself at the Glenja. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just to piss you him hateful, off. hateful man. <laughs> no. Um, I, I just did the same as my Twitter handle. I was like, well, that's easy. I'm going to make everything unified so people can find me. Yeah. So I feel like that's coming for sure at some point. Um, what about things that maybe haven't been executed so well? Because I know there's been a lot of talk about, especially with the iTunes desktop or Mac version, just how kind of confusing, complicated, less than intuitive it's been. What have your experiences been? I, I've so far really only used it from iOS, yeah. so I, I can't comment much on that. Yeah, I went into iTunes and looked at it, but I haven't listened to it or anything. I mean, I usually uh, have my iPhone, you know, Bluetooth connected to one of the speakers and whatever speaker the room I'm in, so I just listen to everything through there. Have you uh, tried it, Ian? I have. The part for me that I guess is most confusing, like the playlists is your music my music is my music for you is the recommended stuff just the same as the other new is fine what's confusing is that there's no real apparent way to search because you know in the i guess original itunes if you just went up to the top and you started searching it would search your library unless you clicked on itunes store and then it would search the itunes store when you search now that it's updated, you have to actually, when you do a normal search, you have to choose whether you want it to search your music or Apple music. It's that way and in the app too, isn't it? I, 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 I'm still on iOS 9 and I'm waiting on beta. Uh, oh, beta. that's right. I'm sorry. Freaking Apple. You're out there on the bleeding edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you go onto the iTunes store. What's also confusing go to the iTunes store and search for an artist or a song or whatever it is. And it gives you the option to buy that song, but no option to play it with Apple music or add it to my music via app, Apple music. So it's like the iTunes store has no idea that Apple music exists and and that they are like Siamese twins. And wasn't there supposed to be when you went to buy an album or went to buy a single, I remember hearing that it was supposed to pop pop up and remind you it was also on Apple Music to subscribe. As of, as of right now, that does not appear to be an option. Hmm. Let's, I'll search for... And just one. as uh, on the, in uh, iOS 8.4, for those of us not on the bleeding edge, when you are searching, you do have to choose Apple Music or My Music for your searches. Okay. But it's right there right underneath the search field so 
it's not a big deal with an album i don't have in my album or my itunes we'll do we'll search for mumford and sons because there i know it's an album i don't have i can play a 90 second sample I can gift the song, I can add it to a wish list, I can tell a friend, I can share on Twitter, I can share on Facebook, and I can copy the link. But in the iTunes store, it has no idea <laughs> that it also exists in Connect or in Apple Music as a song to listen to. Which leads me to what I think my next speculation might be. And I've seen this pop up online a couple times. I think that sometime coming soon, whether it's this fall or maybe it's a little longer than that, we're going to see iTunes and Apple Music slash Music become almost separate apps. Mm. Or somehow we're going to see a separation there. Or maybe it's just a totally revamped iTunes. But I think something's going to need to change just to differentiate those two things that maybe iTunes more becomes a way to get your TV shows and movies and buy things that aren't available in the other and that Apple Music becomes your player for all musical things. I can see that. God knows I, I, I iTunes needs to be revamped. That. Uh, they, they've got to split some stuff out, out of iTunes. I mean, uh, as much as I, I like iTunes and... and I'm I'm somebody who still does really see the value of of having everything together. As much as I like the concept of having everything available to me right there, they got to split some stuff up. I mean, it's it's, it's out of it's way too busy. As far it's, as it's the options it's and the buttons slow. you have to click, and yeah, it takes forever to load anything. Is, something is is out of control, and it's got to be addressed. I wish they just split off the App Store at least. I mean, yeah. iBooks is separate on buying. True. Mac App Store is separate from iTunes. Why not go ahead and put the iOS App Store out there too? I mean, you can you'll still be able to order it from your Mac on the spur of the moment if you want to, right. uh, mm-hmm. and you don't have to go through iTunes. Wait for it to load. Wait for it to. Uh, Why not put the iOS App Store inside the Mac App Store and just have it be the App Store? And that I could you, see that when you choose an app, you get to now say, "I want it on this" or "I want it on these." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that 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 uh, fits in well with uh, the unification theory we've been we discussing the last couple of episodes too. That's true. Did you guys realize that there's actually two different areas for radio in iTunes that I just noticed? There's radio, as in iTunes Radio slash Beats One slash all the like Pandora esque stations, and then there's also if you click the uh, dot 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 whatever expando menu. Um, you get an option for internet radio and it's all the random like radio streams that I didn't realize were still in iTunes. I thought those had gone away a long time ago. Where do you find those? Yeah, it's it's Uh, always, yeah, it's still out there. I remember seeing like your music, your movies, your TV shows, your podcasts, and then the little dot, dot, dot or whatever you might have there up at the top left underneath the play button. Oh yeah. Internet radio. You have a little drop. Internet radio. Oh my goodness. And, and I know on Apple TV it's there, and I only know that it's there because my father-in-law always listens to, uh, like, hair metal 
whenever he's like cleaning the house and he always listens through his Apple TV and he has one station and he scrolls through this huge list and he knows exactly where it is in the list and he plays it and it's just a stream coming off somebody's, you know, Mac mini or whatever in their basement of their iTunes library. But uh, it, it's man, a, why not? Why not just integrate this concept into, uh, into Apple music? I mean, and have, have if a they could, live stations area. Yeah, I think, if they could get you know like BBC online, uh, radio radio four is is always fun to listen to. I if think, they could create some kind of partnership there, that'd be great. I, but the thing is, these are none of the streams that are on that internet radio section are like, as far as I know, none of them are owned or managed by a company. It's all individuals doing their own streams of right. their own content. So technically it's on them to have the license to distribute that music. And then there's that whole like gray area. If Apple integrates it into the radio section, then they're responsible um, iTunes for radio, it. then they're responsible for the content that's on there. And so if somebody Ooh. plays something that's technically not allowed to be played, who's responsible and how does that whole thing work? And Yeah. It looks like yeah. there's some, you know, real radio stations mixed in like here in the classic rock section. There's some stations I recognize, but, uh, but yeah, it looks like a lot of it is just coming out of somebody's basement, yeah. like an old pirate radio station in the old days. Exactly. It's it's like, it's like the internet version of pirate radio. And I I know, like, radio stations all over the place use nice cast and shout cast and stuff like that to broadcast right. over the internet, just using basic streaming audio. But these people have now somehow you can get it on iTunes. I don't know what that process is. I, Apple could certainly take, you know, a, a cream of the crop approach with this. I mean, they they certainly don't have to allow anything and everything. Their um, their curation could still definitely come into play. They could partner with maybe a couple of dozen of the most popular stations, so you get a little something from each category. And I, I could see that, like, after Beats One kind of gets its stride and people really start getting a feel for it instead of apple taking responsibility for all the other stations you know the news station and stuff like that that places like npr could apply to have their station built in or right and npr does already have a foothold in the itunes radio they do yes don't they i think they do yeah I think they have a talk section yeah i think they're in the talk section um so yeah, that would be that would be a cool way to do it. Plenty of possibility. So, uh, let's talk about design, and specifically the chief design officer, as he is now called, Sir Johnny Ive. As of July first. Yeah, as of as of his... July first. That is uh, that is correct. Um, so Apple made this announcement. Um, last month in a company-wide memo um and now it's official johnny ive is now the chief design officer making him officially a high executive in in apple um rather than just a senior vice president which is which is pretty fantastic so he's now a direct report to tim cook and is responsible for um all of design from hardware to software to uh, even apple's architecture and retail stores which is uh pretty fantastic now he he already reported 
directly to Tim Cook, did he not? I think the big change here is going to be he won't have everybody below him reporting to him. He's going to have the buffer of the two new VPs underneath him. I can't think of their names. Uh, uh, they're going to take care of the day-to-day -day crap while he can devote himself to design and the revamp of the stores. Uh, and, Alan uh, Dye and uh, Richard Alan Howard. Alan Dye. There you go. Yep. And and those two, and I know this was a huge thing. Everybody was like, oh, well, they're going to report directly to Johnny Ive, and then everybody reports to them. No, they both report to Tim, and Johnny Ive reports to Tim. It just gives him some of the freedom from... Right, gives him the buffer underneath him. Right, it gives, well, it gives him some of the freedom from getting bogged down with some of the projects so that, I, I guess, in theory, he can work on more important project, projects. Um, allegedly, some of it is like Space Campus 2 or Spaceship Campus 2, whatever they're calling it, the new Apple campus. Um, and then also, I think some of it has to do with family stuff. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, he wants to spend too. more time at home. So this will free him up a little bit, and he could do a lot of his duties from from. London. Another big thing here is um, management is really no longer one of his responsibilities. Both of the managerial right. roles that he was exhibiting before um, over both the industrial design and software design units um, are now somebody else's responsibility. He's focusing more right, that's, that's strictly what I was talking on just about the earlier, design. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Johnny is responsible for all design at Apple, including the look and feel of Apple hardware user interface packaging, or user interface packaging, major architectural projects such as Apple Campus 2 and Apple Retail Stores, as well as new ideas and future initiatives. So basically, his new position lets him be a creative thinker and a future thinker. He's an idea man. That's what he is. He's and an, an idea and man. An idea man instead of Oh, well, how can I make the next iPhone an eighth of a millimeter thinner and a feather lighter so that we can say in our next promo, it's thinner and lighter, but better. It's the thinnest and largest iPhone ever. Whatever, it's right. more. Whatever his thing less. is. <laughs> Some of those Appleisms. Um, so on, on that same... <laughs> I guess that same kind of type of topic. Um, Eddie Q has been just blowing up Twitter lately. He's a tweeting fool. With with feedback and comments about what's next and the process and the direction they're going and all like last week everybody was everybody with iOS nine devices was pissed because well eight dot four came out but the next beta of nine didn't come out. So Apple music's mm -hmm. still not there. So people like me are sitting here tapping our toes and, you know, twiddling our thumbs, just waiting for the next beta to come out and nothing ever happens. And he, Eddie Q goes on Twitter and says, Oh, well, we're going to drop the beta early next week. Don't worry. We don't, didn't forget about you guys. We're just spacing it out, which I assume is partially server load is partially, you know, trying to keep the beta schedule consistent. Um, but then I also saw some of this home sharing stuff that in the latest update, home sharing is missing on iOS. Right. And that 
he went on record on Twitter and said, we're working on bringing home sharing to iOS 9, don't worry. Which also indicates there's some changes happening there, obviously. But it's it's interesting to see this this new Apple who uses social media for communicating with, I guess, the audience instead of using the press or using their PR department. A, uh, right. Apple Apple didn't even have an official Twitter account until, what, a, two years ago? Yeah. It's been very, really recent as far as, you know, Apple history. It's a layer of controlled transparency from Apple that we've really never seen before. Um, they... They talk to people at shareholder meetings. They talk to people at quarterly conference calls. They don't talk to people on Twitter until now. They they, they do podcasts with people who run blogs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Phil Schiller sitting in on that. Like that's that amazing. Was... Yeah, yeah. You would have never seen that. Uh, we'll put that on the list of things Steve would never do. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You know how people are saying, well, Steve would have never done that. Well, hell no, he wouldn't have done this. He was uber secretive. He was very controlling. Uh, personally, I like the new Apple. Yeah. I, th- I, think, uh, I think they're making friends without having to give up too much information. Right. As, as you mentioned, it's a controlled openness. It's, it's, we're cracking the door open a little bit, but we're not going to slam it wide open. Right. So well, and, uh, and even, even things like the Beats 1 slash Apple Music website, instead of being a page on Apple.com, right. there's a little bit of information on Apple.com, but the main site for it is on Tumblr. Yeah. And that they're using a social media, basically, blogging platform as their home for, you know, all their Apple Music and Beats 1 stuff. It's a new age. So. It is. It's a, a very interesting age. The peel is coming off of apples. <laughs> you can't peel an apple. You peel a banana. No, you can peel an apple if you you can. You got a paring knife? Yeah. Yeah, you just got to take some take some effort. You got to carve into that guy. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. I was talking to a 27. We don't want any effort to have to do anything here. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I'm just a couple of years sorry, out don't from let you being a sharp Hey, I just missed that boat. So. So I'm entitled. But they to that. don't let you have sharp objects anyway, do they? Yeah, I, I like sharp objects. I mean, scissors. Well, that's right? why they don't let you have them. Oh, you got still got the scissors. <laughs> he hadn't lost his new scissors yet. So, uh, speaking of being the twenty-something in the new generation with no effort, um, here we go. I have a little bit of follow-up about my experience using the iPad as a computer and. How, seeing just how little effort I could put into <laughs> computing. This is uh, what I've and, been waiting to hear, right here. And I'll tell you, using the iPad as a computer is definitely a way to feel like you're doing less, possibly because you are. I'm not really sure, but I, I felt like every time I used it, I wasn't accomplishing nearly as much as I normally would, but I was working just as quickly and and efficiently as I I could. But I definitely didn't feel like I was doing anything quite as quickly as I, I 
had on my computer. So Glenn's comment last week about you can do it easier on a Mac, definitely true. Um, I also think the job that I have kind of puts me in a position where I have to use a computer at least part of the time. Um, some of the stuff I had to do, I had to do on a computer and not even just a computer. I had to do it on a Windows computer because mm-hmm. it's software that only runs on Windows. Um, so I couldn't really use my Mac for it or my iPad for it anyway. Uh, and even if I were using my Mac on a normal day-to-day basis, like I do most weeks, I still have to use the Windows computer for it. So in situations like that, I couldn't get away from it. Um, but when I could use my iPad for things, I did. It it worked fine. Um, things like email and web browsing and listening to music and stuff like that, fantastic on an iPad. Works perfect. If your job involves a lot of email, a lot of web stuff, then yeah, you could probably use an, an iPad as a computer replacement. But if your job is more involved than that, you probably need a computer still. So, I had really high hopes for it. Uh, could I could I do it if if my computer broke and I only had an iPad to use? Probably. Yeah. Um, could somebody who does, like I said, a much less involved job, or somebody who's just using it as a casual device at home, use an iPad instead of a computer? For sure. Um. So. It's there. That's my opinion. It doesn't count for a lot, but that's what it is. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, it's it's in contrast with another uh, with another very notable blogger, Federico Vitici, who um, seems to be very capable of getting lots of work done on the iPad. He uses some interesting tricks, though, like uh, scripting and uh, carefully crafted workflows and things of that nature, which which are I, I think oh, are also- beyond most people's scope. Sure, and keep in mind what he does. You know, ninety percent of his job, I think, is research yes. and writing. Yes. Right. So for, for and like I said, the iPad with a, a external keyboard as a Safari device and as a writing typing device is fantastic. Cool. And there's a bajillion good apps out there for that kind of thing. So I know he he uses editorial for all of his stuff, and he can do all of his little scripts and crazy things inside of that and right. and stuff. So for him, that definitely works for somebody who depends on certain a certain software program because that's what their work uses mm-hmm. it's it's a little different if i were self-employed i'd probably use an ipad a yeah. lot more but if i were self-employed i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now so but i also wouldn't be making any money because i'm not very good at it <laughs> there, there you go being self-employed, you don't make much money. Let me tell you that. Uh, unless you happen to be one of those very sure of one of those, one of those Steves, right? Or just incredibly lucky with your following online, or a good investor. That seems something. To be, I don't know. Or a good investor. That's true. Um, so speaking of good investments, we'll do another nice segue here. <laughs> uh, for ten ninety nine, as of today. You can't ten ninety nine a month, I should say. As of today, you can get Showtime on the Apple TV. No cable subscription or satellite subscription required. Basically, following suit with HBO and their uh, HBO Now mm-hmm. thing. Only, 
undercutting it by a couple bucks. Yeah. Although I feel like the programming is probably a couple bucks less valuable. Although their series are getting much better. We That's watch true. quite a few series on Showtime. Uh, I highly recommend Ray Donovan. It's just starting its third season. I think it just started it Sunday. Or it okay. starts this Sunday. And uh, really real well-written, great acting. Um, they, and they, they've got some great series. Uh, the movie selection, yeah. Most yeah. of the stuff even on HBO you've already seen. At any rate, it's a pretty great idea, and it's a it's a good way to diversify, either diversify an existing cable subscription or cut the cable, as I think is is the case with a lot of people. Um, it's it's definitely another wire that's been cut on the cable tether. I, I think you know, the fact that just um, thread by thread we're getting it cut. The fact that more and more media companies are jumping onto this is uh, is huge. It's very significant. Um, what I would love to see is um, for Apple or someone like Apple to um, to group some of these together. You know, get get a get a bundle of stuff going on. Uh, and, and it's certainly not inconceivable to see that happening. I don't think. I mean, iTunes is great about bundling lots of things together. Um, certainly, they could come up but with then- some kind of offering that gets you two or three really nice services of your choosing at a slight discount or something of that nature. But then you run into the danger of what you've already got with the cable companies. Charter. I can't, you have to, when you have to get the silver package, which is Showtime, Cinemax and HBO, you can't get them separately. They have to be in a package. And that also includes like 20 other HD channels that you don't think you watch, but if you cut it off, then you find out, Oh crap, I can't see that. Right. There's like one channel of those twenty that you want. Yeah. I think I think that and risk is much less significant with Apple. Look at the way they do movie bundles on iTunes, right? You can get all the stuff separately. It's just something if you, you have to watch to, though with but, uh, Boy, if you want to save some money, you could sure bundle a bunch of stuff. And uh, you know, if you don't want everything well, in there, don't as, get as the long bundle, as they right? keep it where you can have it either way, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, the, the a la carte aspect. You want to bu- uh, you want to you want to bundle it? Great. If you want just HBO or just Showtime or even just National Geographic, if they're offering that or whatever, great. But don't make me take ten other channels to get that one. Yeah, channel. I, I agree with that. The beauty of it is that it is a la carte in a way. Get get the flexibility of a la carte and bundling. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. I want to see like 10 more channels do the same model and then I'll be convinced that we're we're somewhere. And and I want to see channels that aren't already like upgrade packages. Yeah. Because like like for me it's it's like 20 bucks a month to throw HBO on top of what I already have through Dish or 12 bucks a month or whatever whatever it is for me to throw on HBO. But that just gets me the HBO stuff. Well, so now instead of giving that money to Dish, I'm giving that money to Apple. So it's really not a huge change. Mm-hmm. I want to see something like ESPN with their um, what's ESPN Live or whatever their app is on the Apple TV. If they could detach that from a cable subscription, let me pay three bucks or five bucks or whatever it is to have that. Yeah. It's something that would normally come within a cable bundle that's now decoupled from that and available on its own. Then you start getting into this, okay, now channels are doing the right thing, moving in the right direction. 
Glenn's taking a nap. No, I I, I agree. <laughs> so, I uh, I think it's it's continuing to push in the right direction for for these TV services. It's just a matter of getting enough of them there and on board. Right. So we had some feedback from people on the internet from the last couple shows. Imagine that. People, uh, it's it's a strange concept. People listen and like what we talk about and they tweeted us and they use the magic Ask Magnificent hashtag and it shows up here for us to talk about. Wow, they really listen. They follow yeah. They follow directions. That's great. So the uh, the first feedback is from jmv digipix on twitter and he says can you tell me more about the benefits of family sharing like calendar and location of family members photo sharing and ask to buy and i know glenn you said you don't use family no, sharing I don't. Um, because you are a lone wolf a lone wolf <laughs> and <laughs> Chris and I both use it with our our spouses. Um, so there's there's some of it that I, I have experience with, and I know Chris has some experience with some of it too. Um, some of the benefits that I guess I see are things like shared purchases, right? Like That's if I buy my an app, now my thing. right, like I buy an app, and it's four ninety nine. My wife doesn't have to buy the app for four ninety nine, but we can still have our own separate purchase libraries. So all hundreds, like the 87,000 photo apps that I've downloaded because, well, they were free once and I'm going to use them for sure at some point. <laughs> like she doesn't have to see all of those. She can just get to camera plus, which is the only one that she uses. Um, the, uh, the location of family members and the um, find my iPhone was something Chris also pointed out earlier to me was is a cool feature that you can see where the other person is when you're not together. It definitely can, cuts down the cost of private detectives. <laughs> right. That's true. You don't have to have them followed. Um, that gets to be a, a really rough expense at the end of the month. Oh, but uh, it, it literally comes in handy. My wife lost her phone last month at a, uh, at a, a convention or at a show. And uh, I was able to just bring it up on my iPhone. Don't freak out. It's still at the convention center. It's not moving. It's sitting right there. I set off the alarm, put a message on there. Boom. She had her phone back within 15 minutes. Lucky. Yeah, it was great. My wife lost hers in a taxi, and it's somewhere in Chicago. Turned off. <laughs> uh, other cool benefits. Um, photo sharing is, is kind of a cool thing. You can actually create... There's a family album, so you can... And for me, it we don't use it a whole lot other than for pictures of our dogs. Um, but I know people who use it for pictures of the kids, right. for family vacation, that it's just like a, a shared photo library within the Photos app. You now have a family photo library, so you share to it, and automatically everybody in your family can just see those pictures. Just be sure you know what you're putting in that album, because I'm not responsible, and they're not responsible, and we're not responsible for pictures you took that you meant to send to your husband and they accidentally got put in the photo library. <laughs> um, another feature of family sharing 
and I guess kind of the last big one that I want to touch on uh, is the the roles you can set up for parts of your people in your family. Uh, so you can set somebody up as a parent or you can set somebody up as a child and there are some levels of security within that child role. Right. Um, so you can actually allow them to like download free apps, but if they want to buy an app, they have to request permission from a parent. The parents get a notification on their device. They say, yep, that's okay. Or no, you're not spending $300 and buying Final Cut Pro. You don't even have a video camera. <laughs> and whatever it is. And then the kid can either have permission or not have permission to spend money on mom and dad's credit card. So those are some of the benefits of family sharing. And then obviously uh, Apple Music is uh, an added benefit for fourteen ninety nine a month. After the trial's up, you get... Uh, Apple Music for up to six people instead of the ten dollars a person. So there's that. Uh, the next or second question we have is from at John Dash Paul, and he says, "Do you think Adobe would ever release an iPad app for Photoshop CS? Basically, the only thing I still use a Mac for these days." Thoughts? I, I think there's there's some interesting possibilities there, um, particularly relating to uh, the, the possibility of the iPad Pro, um, a, a stronger, larger screened, more capable version of the iPad. Uh, to me, the limitation um, of Photoshop on the iPad at the moment is that you really don't have a high level of precision to work with on the iPad screen. That's one part. The second part is you really don't have the screen real estate to give Photoshop full justice. Um, you don't really have room for a dedicated sidebar of tools. It's a lot more limited right, yeah. experience by its very nature. Now, that being said, I can see a lot of possibilities for ways to change that. Um, and screen size is the primary one. If you compare the iPad to something like the... Um, the Retina MacBook Pro or even the 12-inch MacBook, it's amazing how much better things like that translate to more precise forms of control, such as um, using a trackpad or a mouse, as well as the level of, I guess, proficiency OS X has for those things over iOS. The ability to multitask for a lot of creative professionals is, is going to be central to doing Photoshop well, being able to drag things from one program to another, drag something from the web into Photoshop, being able to download and use additional brushes on the fly, um, and so forth. So I, I think we're sort of waiting for Apple's mobile platform to become sufficiently robust and sufficiently mature before it can really handle what somebody might expect from Adobe Creative Suite. Have you used Pixelmator before on the iPad? I have. Um, and while it is, in my opinion, easily the best image editor currently available on the iPad, I actually use it all the time. It's at the same time nowhere near as good as Pixelmator on the Mac. There's, yeah. there's yeah, something sure. definitely sure. lacking from the experience when you translate it over to the iPad as the platform is currently situated. Sure. So 
if somebody were to want to do a Photoshop-like thing, Pixelmator is probably the best alternative right now. I would say so, absolutely. Do you think it's capable enough that if somebody were traveling for a couple days, that it could do a decent enough job as a Photoshop replacement for a, few, for a couple days? I think it could for certain types of editing. Probably not so much from the content creation perspective, though. Sure. So not yet, but maybe someday. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Apple has up their sleeve, uh, or, or if, I suppose, since this is all unconfirmed speculation at this point. They even have a sleeve. When, when the iPad Pro comes out. Um, I think that's going to be our real key into how Apple wants to handle these types of things moving forward. Well, that's all we had for our Ask Magnificent feedback for this week. Um, but people are always welcome to send us more feedback for next week or any other week using the hashtag AskMagnificent on the Twitter. And obviously we'll get to your questions and we'll do our best to, to touch on those. So we appreciate uh, the ones we had. And I suppose it's uh, that time we do our something of the week. So... Yeah. Glenn, I will let you kick things off. This week, my pick is uh, Dark Sky. It's a phenomenal premium weather app from the App Store. Um, the thing that I really, really like about Dark Sky that um, makes it somewhat more distinct than, than other weather apps that I've used, and especially distinct from a lot of the free apps, is it gives a very detailed breakdown, hour by hour, of when you can expect certain types of weather anomalies, such as cloud cover or rain, uh, which was, was very handy. I actually used it just the other night while waiting for fireworks. There was, uh, <laughs> there was quite a bit of wind kicking up, and uh, I wanted to see really just what the chances are of this wind becoming a problem or it turning into a rainstorm or something like that. And... Uh, Dark Sky gave me a very, very quick and very easy to understand answer that, uh, yeah, the fireworks are probably still on because the wind's going to die down and there's no chance of rain. So, It's $4, which is seems expensive for a weather app, but there's a lot of artistry that goes into the interface. It's really smooth, fast, and clean. Um, I think it's well worth the $4. Yeah, I never thought I'd pay for an, for a uh, weather app, but uh, I think it was on sale of last month sometime for like a buck ninety nine for one day or something, and I went ahead and pushed the trigger, and uh, I'm so glad I downloaded it and I use it. It's always it's right there for you. It's a great app. And that that hour tracker on it, yeah, where it gives you like the next hour or whatever, is by far my favorite thing because a lot of times for me. I'll, and I obviously we all use it, so we we all do enjoy it. And we all have spent the money on it. Um, for me, I'll look at it like if we're about to go on a run. You know, weather here is always unpredictable. It's like, oh well, it might rain this evening, so I'll I'll pull up dark sky and say, oh, do we have at least you know half hour, forty minutes right. to go outside and run or whatever it is? And if we do, then we will go on a run. And I'm like, oh well, it says in the next twenty minutes we're gonna start to get rain. I'd rather not get trapped somewhere and get dumped on. So um, that's that's been fantastic. Agreed. And it's really accurate too. I might add. 
Yeah, yeah it's great. It's one of the, and it even now uh, the latest version. If you have an iPhone six, it'll even use the barometric pressure sensor in your phone, and you know to to be able to tell what's going to happen. I mean, you can it'll use it as crowd. That's easy for me to say. Crowdsourced information it collects from everyone. So Chris, you're uh, something in the week. I see you found it. I do. I actually have two things. They're kind of connected. One will put you to sleep and the other will wake you up. So I don't know if you'll be able to hear this or not, but... Yeah, that's the idea of it too. It's like ten or fifteen tracks of of mellow music like that, and just kind of background noises, and like you're on a mountain with Jeff Bridges, and he's talking about you know doing hang gliding and stuff, and just his voice is very soothing. And uh, Julie has a hard time sleeping sometimes, and she'll put that on on her uh, headphones and listen to it, and she'll go out like a light. Wow. And uh, it's it's, uh, dreamingwithjeff.com. And you can either listen right online on your iPhone uh, or your computer, or you can download it uh, if you want. I think there's a charity you can donate to. He did it with Squarespace uh, as a promotion for Squarespace. But it's it's actually kind of a cool thing, and it really does help uh, help you sleep. Uh, uh, Like I said, Julie has a hard time sleeping. Sometimes she even has migraines in the middle of the day. And she could put that on, and it calms her right down. So that's. I think uh, it's also important to note that uh, Jeff Bridges has a fantastic beard. That's uh, that's very significant. Yes, that totally has a lot to do with listening to his voice and going to sleep. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, and he is the star of the world's greatest movie, The Big Lebowski. So hey, you know. World's um, greatest. But uh, and then on the other end of the of, of the sleep spectrum, you'll need to wake up after you fall asleep. So I noticed somebody pointed out online the other day that uh, you know, in, in on your iPhone, you can always set your alarm to a song in your music library. Uh, now with Apple Music, you're no longer limited to just what you have on your device. You can wake up to any song in just about the entire iTunes library. I didn't think of that. So that's kind of cool. That's I, I hadn't thought either. I just I saw it online either yesterday or earlier this morning, and I was like, "Yeah, that, that's you're unlimited." So I, so, I assume yeah. you have to add the song to your music and then yeah, set it yeah, as your track. So it's not like you can just like search from the alarm. And then it'll yeah. So, it, so you can wake up to any song in your library. Now your library just also has the ability to contain every song ever. Yeah, it's basically. just unlimited. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So. Interesting concept. Yeah. My something of the week is an app that I've used on and off for apparently, according to the app, three years. Um, and that's Waze. And I downloaded it while we were on our road trip to Minnesota and back. It's a GPS app slash uh, crowdsourced traffic and road condition app, basically. If you've never used Waze, it's fantastic. It's free. Um, basically you 
you plug in wherever your destination is. It gives you your turn-by-turn directions like you'd expect, but then it also warns you of um, cars that are stopped on the side of the road or trucks on the side of the road or bad weather um, based on what other people plug in. One of the features that I guess is questionable as to illegality of it but is quite handy is that if somebody is ahead of you and using ways and they see a cop hiding somewhere or on the side of the road or wherever, they can say, hey, there's a cop here, and then you get a notification that, hey, there's a cop coming up. And so you know maybe if you're given it, going a little too quick to slow down. Um, and then as you pass each hazard, you it asks, are they still there? Yes, no. You either thumbs up to say, yep, it's still there, or you say not there, and away it goes from the map. So the next person coming up behind you knows that it's not there anymore. So if you haven't used it and you do a lot of driving uh, or even just a little bit of driving, it's it's pretty cool. And both my wife and I were using it on our, our whole trip. Did did you use the Terminator to give you the navigation directions? I did not, but I do know that that's out there. You can have Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator narrate your, your driving. Who wouldn't want that? That's the most important feature. I'm surprised I, I had to prompt you to I include actually, that. I didn't even use the uh, audio turn-by-turn turn because I, I really wasn't using it for the directions to... It was more to find out where the cops were. Yeah, it was, I know. It was uh-huh. more to know my my arrival time and my travel time, sure. and especially like for the ride back where the really heavy spots of rain were mm-hmm. uh, because I was having all kinds of windshield wiper issues. <laughs> so... Uh, so that was my app of the week or my something of the week. Um, and it's free in the app store. Any last words before we uh, wrap this one up? Nope. It's ice cream time. Ice cream. Good last word. Almost as good as whiskey last week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Chris has got this. I could put whiskey and whiskey and ice cream together. I'll figure like out a way a, to do that next week. Like a root beer float, but. I have, I have a lovely salted caramel ice cream I got from Trader Trader Joe's over the weekend. That, that might good. actually work with whiskey. Maybe, I don't know. Hmm. Like drizzle a little bit on top. Yeah. It's like syrup. Though. All right. Well, on that note, my thanks once again to Chris and Glenn for joining me today. As a reminder, you can find Chris on Twitter at CLHauk, posting stories on MacTrastic.com. Uh, MacTrast.com. Easy for and, you to uh, say. You can also find MacTrast on Twitter at MacTrast. Glenn can be found on Twitter at TheGlenja. And you can find me on the Twitters at Ian Fuchs. And as a reminder, you can always tweet us your questions with hashtag AskMagnificent. And if you did enjoy the show or you didn't enjoy the show, leave us a rating or review or both on iTunes. Share it on the social media things. And we'll catch you next week. Six episodes a week, my gangbang folks. Don't forget to join us.